It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Charles Payne. I'm Kat Timp. I'm Stuart Varney. And this is the Fox News Rundown. Friday, January 19th, 2024. I'm Chris Foster. Never say never, but Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley would have to surprise a lot of people to beat Donald Trump for the Republican presidential nomination. The reality is going to hit for these campaigns very quickly, and it's been a year and a half, and now we're actually getting to the ballots, and this is where... It's sink or swim, and you will only be able to carry on for so long. We're speaking with Fox News Sunday host Shannon Bream. And Lisa Brady. An effort to give voters an alternative to a Trump-Biden rematch remains a work in progress. We've never had this amount of people, the American people, say this is not the choice we want. And yet the parties are saying, sorry, this is the choice you get. Take it or leave it. And to me, that's not satisfactory. And I'm Dr. Nicole Sapphire. I've got the final word on the Fox News Rundown. The New Hampshire primary is coming up Tuesday. Former President Trump says, let's get the whole thing over with. It's time for the Republican Party, frankly, to come together and to unify. We have to unify and focus all of our resources and energy and effort on defeating crooked Joe Biden, the worst president in the history of our country. Nikki Haley's been campaigning hard in New Hampshire. Ron DeSantis, polling in single digits there, has moved much of his operation to her home state, South Carolina. She's not doing that well. You trust me. She 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 got media attention. Then she got scrutiny. Uh, she cannot beat Donald Trump in New Hampshire. He's closer to zero than he is to me in either of these states. So it's more about his survival. After New Hampshire comes Nevada's primary and caucuses, which the state party will use to actually allocate delegates. And Haley's not on that ballot. Then it's South Carolina, four more states in Washington, D.C., then 16 states holding contests on Super Tuesday, March 5th. Here's the thing. A number of these folks in the campaigns, Nikki Haley's, Ron DeSantis's, they say they want to stick around because you don't know long term what's going to happen with the former president. Fox News Sunday and Living the Bream podcast host, Shannon Bream. Now, it's not just the legal stuff, because you and I both know, we've talked about this, even if he was sitting in jail, he could run for president and probably there'd be a chance he would win. But at the Supreme Court in a couple of weeks, I'm covering this case about whether states can kick him off their ballots. And so these other camps will say, we don't know what's going to happen. What if he got kicked off the ballots in a few states? We need to be up and running just in case. You're going to run out of money and donors and people at some point if you don't score some sort of upset win or get very close to it. So listen, I mean, these first two are really important psychologically for the rest of the calendar, for the rest of the voters. Um, you got the weird Nevada situation. Then, you know, you've got South Carolina. You know, a lot of folks think it's going to be over before Super Tuesday. We'll see. Since you brought it up briefly, of course, a lot of people think that the Supreme Court is in the tank for Trump these days. Is there a conservative liberal argument for or against this argument to keep him off the ballot? It, say it was a John Doe Democrat. Mm hmm. Well, it's interesting because most folks out there across the ideological spectrum say this should be a 9-0 decision from the Supreme Court that states cannot take this action under the 14th Amendment to kick him off ballots. Um, that said, there are going to be arguments about this. There are others who say, OK, this court is all about the plain meaning of the text, about what it really says. And their argument is the text says if people are involved in some kind of insurrection, you can keep them from becoming president of the United States. So there's a lot of wonky argument, you know, going back and forth on the phrasing and the language. You know, those who support President Trump will say, 
at the time of the 14th Amendment, when it was ratified, this to talk about insurrection was to actually take up arms in a war against the United States. So, you know, a lot of folks just think it's not going to go anywhere. But you saw Maine and Massachusetts and these others that are kind of toying with this are, are sort of sitting back and saying, we're going to wait for the Supreme Court. So there's clearly some uncertainty about how that will go. OK, thanks for the sidebar. Um, mm-hmm. Now back to the campaign. Ron DeSantis says he's not giving up New Hampshire entirely spent a lot of time a lot of money to finish a distant second in iowa and now he's pulling single digits in new hampshire is south Mm -hmm. carolina his last stand probably unless there's something really interesting or unexpected that happens i mean mean, again Um, we have these conversations there could always be you know some crazy black swan event right that Mm -hmm. but short of that i think you know most of these campaigns are over within weeks if not days desantis he's he's in the odd position of sort of rooting for Trump to win in New Hampshire and win in South Carolina to right. knock Haley down a peg and give him some mm-hmm. sort of shot for, which I guess would at that point be a distant second place. Um, but he doesn't have much else to root for in those two states. What his team keeps saying is we're about gathering the most delegates that we can in whatever ways, in whatever states, in whatever primaries, caucuses, whatever it is. The game is to keep getting delegates and picking those up. So their you know, talking point is that as long as we're picking up delegates, we're moving in the right direction. Um, but at some point, you know, we already know that there have been staffing changes, layoffs, whatever you want to call them um, with a super PAC associated. They're not supposed to be associated, but the super PAC that is supporting the DeSantis effort. So at some point you do run out of money and volunteers cannot run fully a presidential campaign. So the reality is going to hit for these campaigns very quickly. And it's been a year and a half and now we're actually getting to the ballots. And this is where it's sink or swim and you will only be able to carry on for so long. Uh, looking back at Iowa, looking back at Iowa, anything interesting come out of that race to you? Anything predictive or is Iowa just its own thing? Well, you know, we kept seeing the last three polls pretty much lined up with President Trump around the 50 percent mark. But all of them had Nikki Haley around 20 percent and Ron DeSantis around 16, 15, 14 percent. My sense of being on the ground there was something different, that his events were sort of standing room only. People were showing up. They were crowding in in the horrendous weather that we had out there. It made me think the polling was off on him. And that's true. I mean, it was off by like five or six points in many cases in a way that allowed him to stay in second place and leapfrog Nikki Haley. So they felt good about their operation there. And so the polls aren't always right. They were off consistently by a few points in um, what ended up in being his favor. Uh, former President Trump was not campaigning yesterday. He was at his mother-in-law's funeral in Florida. Um, he's also been spending a lot of time in his, defi- his defamation case in New York. I was thinking about, he doesn't have to be there in New York. He can't talk to TV cameras because it's a federal it's a federal court building. There's no cameras allowed inside, even outside the courtroom. Um, it seems like he may just want to be there out of a legitimate sense of outrage, even even if it's taking him off the trail. Right. And I think that even though these are very serious, real legal issues, I think there's some part of him that knows it can play with his audience and with his base to say, again, look how they are not only prosecuting, but persecuting me. So I think he likes the fight. He wants to be there to speak up for himself, even if the judges are going to tell him, like, hey, this is not a TV studio reality show. Like, I run the ship here and you can't just make comments and do your thing. Um, the thing is, with these federal criminal trials, he actually has to be there. So, um, you know, 
why he's choosing to go when he doesn't have to, I think part of that is the game. And part of it is look at what they're doing to me. That whole line he uses, they're trying to get to you through me. And I think these courtroom battles give him a chance to to make that point. Yeah. Uh, finally, just because I know that you follow and know a lot about this stuff and I usually learn something. We spent a lot of time, meaning we on this show, uh, talking about this week's Supreme Court case and how it could affect federal reg- regulations. I just wanted to get your take on it. Well, not to get too wonky, but this is a very wonky case. And what it ultimately has to do with is federal regulatory agencies. They touch your life all day long, whether you're aware of it or or not. Um, The car you drive, um, what you can do with your personal property, um, you know, everything about your kids and the food you eat and your iPhone and your shampoo. I mean, federal regulations are everywhere. So even though this is a case that deals specifically with fishermen and this federal regulation that was potentially going to tell them you have to pay the cost of monitors to stay on your vessel to make sure you're complying with federal regulations. Obviously, they're going to fight about that. It's, it would enormously cut into their profits. But it's not just that. It's who decides how far federal regulations get to go in the way that they impact your life, because it's all of us all day long, every day. And so there's this 1984 case that gives a lot of deference to these federal agencies. And for a long time, there's been a debate about whether these unelected bureaucrats who, yes, are usually experts in whatever the field is that they're regulating, many of them, whether they should get to make the final determination or whether you can actually challenge that in a court and courts can make the decision. So federal regulations, they're all over your life. Who gets to decide how far they go? Supreme Court heard hours worth of arguments yesterday. They'll take their first secret vote as they do the Friday after they hear the cases, but we may not know for months what they decide. Yeah. And uh, so then does every decision about cars and shampoo and what you eat (laughs) uh, then, you know, have to go through judges or even Congress that may not know what's going Mm -hmm. on? You know what I mean? Would, Would overturning Chevron make every little decision open to legal challenges? That was the real concern for some in the arguments yesterday saying, um, you know, Justice Kagan talked about, okay, there's this new cholesterol product that's supposed to lower your cholesterol. Do Is it regulated as a drug? Is it regulated as a supplement? Like who decides these things? Do you want to let FDA, HHS, those kind of agencies that are about regulating health and safety decide that? Or do you want it to go to a court where nobody's a doctor or a medical expert and the court decides what to do with something like that? And there was real concern that everything will end up in litigation. But, you know, folks on the other side of that said, listen, the way that it's currently set up, you walk into the courtroom and the thumb is already on the scale in favor of the government of these agencies because they get a presumption that what they decide is going to be the law of the land. So there's a lot to balance there. That's why these nine people who are way smarter than me are going to make the decision. Yeah. And I mean, Chevron was actually seen another uh, point of contention is that agencies sometimes can be pushed one way or the other, depending on who's in power. I mean, the, Chevron exactly. was seen as a conservative decision at the time when Reagan right. was in power <laughs> because it gave agencies the power to deregulate. Um, yeah, and who was who was the EPA administrator back then? Uh, whose mom was it? Remind me. Justice Gorsuch yeah. and Gorsuch. <laughs> so yeah, back then, conservatives liked this idea that federal agencies could call the shots because it really does change with whoever's the president in power. Justice Kavanaugh brought this up yesterday and said, You know, because the government was arguing, the Biden administration is arguing this will send a shock to the system if you change the way that it is now with federal agencies getting deference. And Kavanaugh said there's a shock to the system every four or eight years, essentially, because when the president changes at the White House, that's the lead of the executive branch. And they can say, hey, FDA, this is now how I want you to handle things versus um, if it's not just agencies deciding, but they know that there's a court check on them that people and businesses will have some sort of stability that a matter is settled, not every time an administration changes, but because there's been a judicial decision. 
and maybe those politically based decisions or uh, philosophy based decisions, you know, aren't going to be so much about the shampoo, but they are going to be about stuff like the border. Yeah. And, you know, um, Justice Jackson also brought up this idea of not wanting judges and courts to be policymakers, you know, to get to sort of your point there. It's, you know, who actually decides these things. Um, the, the attorneys for these fishermen and more broadly for getting rid of this Chevron deference case um, said, we just want you deciding the law, whatever the statute says. That's what we want you deciding. It's a legal decision. But she said, honestly, when you look at how regulations, um, Congress allows these agencies to set regulations to explain exactly how the law is going to be enforced, that if you're making decisions on that, the courts become policymakers. And that's not their role. That's to the legislative branch, um, which you know sparks the whole conversation about Congress. Have they abdicated way too much? of the implementation of these laws to a branch that doesn't exist, which is the administrative branch. Shannon Bream, host of Fox News Sunday, of course, and also the Live in the Bream podcast. Shannon, always a pleasure. Thank you, my friend. Chris, the pleasure is mine. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. Stay on top of the latest news and information from Fox News. Listen and download the Fox News Hourly Update on your time. The trending stories you need anytime you want it. Listen and download now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. After a big win in Iowa, former President Trump and his rivals move on to the New Hampshire primary. And Fox News Radio has full coverage Tuesday starting at 6 p.m. Eastern with a one-hour preview show hosted by Brett Baer, Martha McCallum, and Dana Perino. Then Jared Halpern and Jessica Rosenthal bring you the results as they happen, along with Josh Krausar and a team of Fox News reporters and experts. Download the Fox News app and click Listen Tuesday starting at 6 p.m. Eastern. It's Democracy 24 on Fox News Radio. This is Dr. Nicole Sapphire with your Fox News commentary coming up. If the country is heading for a 2020 rematch, there's a movement saying not so fast. Over one million Americans have already signed uh, petitions and other documents in support of the no labels effort. Democrat and civil rights leader Ben Chavis is a co-chair of No Labels, the bipartisan group trying to get on the ballot in every state for a possible unity presidential ticket. They've already had legal fights along the way, also facing questions about not revealing donor details, which as a nonprofit, they're not required to do. But now they're accusing other groups, mainly left wing groups for now, of conspiring against them. To subvert Americans' voting rights and shut down the organization's effort to secure ballot access in the 2024 presidential election. Lawyer Dan Webb, a former federal prosecutor, filing a complaint with the Justice Department, claiming substantial evidence of illegal efforts by activists, operatives, and party officials. We're asking for an investigation. Former North Carolina Governor Pat McCrory is a no-labels co-chair. For what we think is alleged conspiracy, and coordination of several groups that are working to threaten, intimidate, are being involved in the process of democracy. MoveOn.org, the Third Wave Group, uh, the Lincoln Project, and several others in a coordinated effort using fear tactics, intimidation, threats, threatening their careers, their livelihood, and frankly, their families. And that's inexcusable. And it's, uh, we think, breaks federal law and should be investigated. And uh, the two-party system is doing everything they can to protect their duopoly. And right now we have 65% of the American people who do not want 
a repeat of the 2020 election. They want change, and the two parties aren't offering another option. You know, listen, I'm a Republican. I've played the game. I've been played by the game. I'm I'm here to expose the game and change it for the sake of our country. But some of these groups don't want competition and want to protect the power that they have here in Washington. And they'll do, uh, right now, they're enacting threats to hold on to that power. And that's inexcusable. Well, the progressive group, Move On, accuses Mm -hmm. no labels of causing as much chaos as possible to clear the path for Trump to regain control of the White House. Is is your group secretly in Trump's corner? Absolutely not. Uh, If you're saying, first of all, I'm not, and neither is Joe Lieberman or Ben Chavis. We're the three co-chairmen. So if you want to say Joe Lieberman and and Ben Chavis are in... uh, Trump's corner, uh, that would be laughable. You know, their their major argument against no labels outside of the threats and intimidation is, well, you'll waste your vote. They don't, they don't argue with our platform. They don't argue with the potential quality of candidates that we'll be selecting from. They just say, uh, whoever we give you, you must take. And it, to me, that's kind of an arrogance right now that the two parties are presenting. And it's an arrogance that hurtful to our democracy. And that's why, listen, I'm a Republican, but I'm a member of No Labels because during my political career, I've been called a um, right wing extremist. I've been called a left wing rhino. I've been called a moderate. You name it. We all into labeling. And the labels right now are preventing dialogue to solve the problems of our country, whether it be immigration or the economy or crime. Uh, nothing's being done right now, and they don't want a repeat of 2020. We've tested both those people at this point in time. People should be given an alternative. What about those who may have a legitimate concern, though, that there either isn't a path for a unity ticket, for a no-labels team to win the Electoral College, for instance, or that you could end up being a spoiler that even takes moderate votes, um, for instance, away from President Biden. Now, these are the same political experts inside the Beltline who said Barack Obama and Donald Trump would ever be president. (laughs) I mean, this is an inside the Beltline power hold at this point in time. They have no proof of this. um, And last time I checked, the two-party system is not in the Constitution. In fact, George Washington warned us about the two-party system and the dangers of this. They, This is not – democracy doesn't prohibit one from challenging the status quo of the two-party system. And, uh, and if you stop access to the ballot, it's the same thing as stopping access to vote. And these people who talk about voter suppression are trying to suppress the right to have another choice. Now, No Labels has been able to get onto the ballot – in more than a dozen states so far, right? Is is there time? Is there oh, time absolutely. to get to get on all fifty this year? Yeah, how how do you how do you get on the ballot? What is the process different from state to state? Every state has difference, and sadly, some of these groups uh, are trying to stop us. So these same groups that are saying uh, you're not getting on the ballots are the same groups that are trying to throw all these legal roadblocks. In Delaware just recently, in fact, and we're fighting through every roadblock. My own state, North Carolina, delayed us for three months through legal roadblocks. So it's kind of ironic. They they say we're behind in getting on the ballots. They're the reason for it. But we're winning every court case. Uh, we're going to be active in 28 states uh, very shortly. And then by there are about 13 or 14 states that you have to name 
the candidates first. I mean, Ross Perot did this much later than this at this point in time. It's actually the rules to get on most ballots are fairly easy. And now we're having no problem getting signatures. I mean, uh, there's uh, there's no problem getting a sufficient amount of signatures because there's so much displeasure with the potential choices that the um, two parties are presenting us. In Arizona, a judge just recently ruled in your favor and if I'm reading it correctly, that fight really boiled down to how much control no label should have over who can use its line on the ballot. Is that right? Yeah, that's that's correct. There was an effort by some some of these same operatives uh, and <laughs> trying to throw some legal. They were trying to sabotage our efforts by putting other people down the line, having us lose control of who gets on the ticket. And it was just another roadblock that we worked through and the courts were with us. That'd be like individuals being able to get on the Republican or Democratic ticket without going through the Republican or Democratic Party. How close is No Labels to forming a unity ticket at this point? I know that one of your founders, former Senator Joe Lieberman, says uh, Nikki Haley deserves consideration if she ends up dropping out of the race. Well, I'm not getting into names at this point in time, but we're we're going to be considering people in military, in business, and in politics, and we'll be develop we're developing that process right now. We're looking for qualities of character, accountability, people who get results, people who can solve problems across party lines. Because right now, I mean, look what's happened to our country in D.C. They're not coming up with an immigration situation. Both parties are in their corners. Uh, they're not solving the problems of our incredible deficit at this point in time. They're not solving the problems of public safety. There's incredible division and rancor on foreign policy. We need someone who can bring people together and those who have experience of bringing people together. And maybe after this uh, year, the two parties will learn because we, we have no plans to make this a permanent thing. But this year is the most unique year uh, in our history if, in fact, Trump and Biden are the two remaining candidates at such an early point because we've never had this amount of people, the American people say, this is not the choice we want. And yet the parties are saying, sorry, this is the choice you get. Take it or leave it. And to me, that's not satisfactory. I'm a Republican who believes in competition, not just in business and education, but also in politics. I know you're not talking names, but mm -hmm. What about a, the bigger picture? I mean, most people, when they hear unity ticket, they might think, OK, one's going to be a Republican, one's going to be a Democrat. Is is that the idea? That's always been our goal um, to try to do that. And we're looking at we're looking at people who can work together and bring this nation together because our nation is divided. And yet we need people who can civilly talk to each other, find a common ground. I'll give you an example on immigration right now. You know, when President Trump was in office, we had the majority in the House and Senate. We still couldn't get an immigration bill. And now we can't get an immigration bill now. I mean, the no labels, we came out uh, in New Hampshire about three, four months ago with 30 items of common sense solutions. And the common sense solution of, of course, tighten up the border, close the loopholes, and understand we've got uh, people who've been here since they were two or three years old. They're now in their 20s. We're not going to kick them out of the country. We know that. So why don't we do both? 
And uh, that's where, where the 70 percent of the American people agree. But the two parties can't come together because they're more worried about their primary elections than they are satisfying the needs of the vast majority of Americans. I know this. I know the game. You know the game. And that's the game right now in D.C. And sadly, it's failing all of us. No labels, as you say, is having no trouble at this point gathering signatures uh, to try to get on the ballot. What about your financial support? What about donors for no labels? Because none of this is cheap, right? Especially the legal fights. No, it's not cheap, but we're a nonprofit. So the nonprofits by constitutional law, by court cases, in fact, court case of the NAACP uh, in 1958 was uh, allowed as a nonprofit to protect their donors while also trying to proceed with the progress of their organization. And our organization's major function is to gain a spot on the ballot. And then once we select candidates, we, we, we're we out of it. It's up to the candidates. We're not going to do what the political parties do and run a campaign. I'm, I'll be out. We're providing a spot on the ballot to compete against the Republican and Democratic Party. And we we're we're getting petitions signed in every state according to every state law. So we protect our donors just like the NAACP does for fear of retaliation and intimidation, which they're doing to the staff, which they're doing to some of the leadership of No Labels right now. How optimistic are you right now in January, less than 10 months to the general election, about the prospects for a No Labels ticket? Well, our goal was not to have to do this. If you would ask me a year ago that Biden and Trump would still be the leading nominees, I probably wouldn't have believed you. But this was always an insurance policy. That's why Ben Chavis and I and Joe Lieberman are working together. Who would have imagined? But in our conversations, we agree on uh, coming together and solving the main issues that this country has got to solve. Listen, this isn't for me. This is for the next generation. We've got to stop this arrogance of both parties just assuming that we have to take whoever they give us when actually their selections are coming from very few people making these decisions. I mean, Iowa, then New Hampshire, and then it might be over, maybe South Carolina, and then the whole election's over and the Democrats are keeping people off the ballot in the primaries. It's just I I never thought I'd see it in my lifetime. But uh, I care more for this country than party. I see a lot of Congressional candidates say that on both sides of the aisle, but the minute they get elected, they've got to go along with the party or they're canceled. And uh, that's unacceptable. Former North Carolina governor, now co-chair of No Labels, Pat McCrory. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much. And now some good news with Tanya J. Powers. A Florida school bus driver is being hailed as a hero after saving a third grader from choking on a piece of candy. The whole thing happened just before the Christmas break. The driver, Marilyn Lopez, had just arrived at her first stop of the afternoon when there was a disturbance at the back of the bus. She handled the matter and was on her way back to the driver's seat when she noticed a boy who was turning a light shade of purple. He had just eaten a piece of candy from a Christmas party earlier in the day and it was stuck in his throat. Lopez sprang into action, grabbing the boy and performing the Heimlich maneuver on him. It cleared the candy from the boy's throat, and Lopez seated him up front near her so she could keep an eye on him before 
dropping him off to his mother. The boy has fully recovered, and his mother has expressed gratitude for Lopez's willingness to help and her overall attentiveness. As for Lopez, she says she's glad she stood up when she did and that she would just want someone else to help if her kids were in that situation. Tanya J. Powers, Fox News. I'm Benjamin Hall, Fox News correspondent and New York Times bestselling author. Join me for my brand new podcast, Searching for Heroes. Make sure you subscribe to this series wherever you download podcasts and leave a rating and review. Subscribe to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. It's time for your Fox News commentary. Dr. Nicole Sapphire. What's on your mind? While the allure of cold therapies has gained recent attention, it's essential not to overlook the numerous health benefits associated with heat. Cold plunges, often hailed as a remedy for various health issues and an essential for wellness, have gained popularity in recent times. However, the skeptical academic in me must acknowledge the stark reality of a lack of robust evidence supporting the claimed health benefits of cold plunges. Many supporters of cold plunges attribute a myriad of health advantages to hopping in the cold water, ranging from enhanced immune function to accelerated recovery after exercise, and there may be some truth to it. However, a closer look reveals much of the supporting evidence is anecdotal, and the placebo effect may play a significant role. While cold plunges may offer benefit, there are also potential risks and concerns associated with exposing the body to extreme cold. People with cardiovascular conditions, respiratory issues, or compromised immune systems may be more susceptible to negative effects. The absence of clear guidelines and robust data raise concerns about the overall safety of widespread cold plunge practices. Plus, who likes to be cold? Certainly not me. Whether it's basking in the sun, enjoying a sauna session, or indulging in a warm bath, the positive impact of heat on our well-being is extensive. One of the most significant advantages of warm weather is the abundance of sunlight, a natural source of vitamin D. Being out in the sun triggers the production of vitamin D in our skin, essential for maintaining strong bones and a healthy immune system. Sunlight also stimulates the production of serotonin, a crucial chemical in the brain that contributes to feelings of happiness and well-being. Exposure to natural light during the day can also help regulate our circadian rhythm, promoting better sleep at night. If you can't escape to warmer climate during the winter, there are still many benefits to heat, even without the sunlight. Heat is a well-established method for relieving muscle and joint pain. Heat can soothe sore muscles and alleviate discomfort associated with conditions such as arthritis, providing a natural and non-invasive approach to pain management. Not only does heat dilate blood vessels, increasing delivery of oxygen and nutrients throughout the body, but it is also recognized for its ability to induce relaxation and alleviate stress, promoting an overall calming effect. Lastly, exposure to heat can lead to an increase in metabolic rate. While not a substitute for regular exercise and a balanced diet, incorporating heat into one's weight management plan may be beneficial. While the allure of trendy cold plunges may be appealing to some, health benefits of warm weather cannot be overstated. From the abundance of vitamin D to the positive impact on mental and physical health, embracing warmth has many rewards. Because of them, I try to escape to sunny weather at least once during the winter months. When I can't find the time to travel, I incorporate hot yoga, infrared saunas, and other warm activities to continue benefiting from heat. It's time to get warm. Believe me, your body will thank you for it. 
Dr. Nicole Sapphire, Fox News. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. And now, stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen ad-free on Fox News Podcasts Plus on Apple Podcasts. And Prime members can listen to the show ad-free on Amazon Music. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Janice Dean, Fox News Senior Meteorologist. Be sure to subscribe to the Janice Dean Podcast at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to spread the sunshine.